welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve. Amen. Thank you for letting me do that. Well, hey, I think I know everybody in the room. If I don't know you, my name's Landon. I'm the senior leader of the church. That was my wife up here earlier. We, we co-lead the church. We're just really excited about everything that's going on at Cedar House. I have a, uh, I do have a quick message, and I wanted the, the worship team to come back up to just really go after something. I, I'm going to just share with you kind of where I'm at in this current season of my walk with God. And so I'm going to talk to you about living a lifestyle or living a life of faithfulness, being faithful before the Lord for a long time, being faithful before the Lord with what he's put in front of you, consistently being daily faithful to the Lord for a long time. If you know, all of us want the same thing. When it's all said and done, we stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Good because he's good when we manifest him. But that word faithful, you were faithful, well done, faithful one, enter the joy of your master or whatever the different parables say there, but being faithful before the Lord over a long period of time. In, in North America, it's very easy to where we grade our Christian walk based on influence, followers, money, resources, hype, quality, uh, you know, just qu- literally quality. We, we put these things as the measuring stick of success uh, in our Christianity. But, you know, the, the Christian life is about surrender, not about performance. The Christian life is about completely dying to God, not about having these key performance indicators that, that say whether or not we're doing things in a, in a quality way. And, I, you know, we're in a social media age, and it's so easy to, just to look at other things and try to figure out exactly where other people are. But what the Lord is calling us to do is not look to the left and right, but to be faithful with what he's given us. And so I'm in this journey this past three months where he's just saying, just be faithful. Just be faithful. Just what have I put before you? And just be faithful with what I've given you. i uh be really transparent here. This is uh, re- really going forward here. I, in the past three months, I've dealt with so much anxiety. Um, I've dealt with so much anxiety that it's led into panic attacks. I've gone through days of dizziness uh, due to panic. And literally things that I've never dealt with before and I have no idea why it's happening. Um, how many of you have ever dealt with that stuff? Cool. I'm human like you. It's amazing when you tell someone you've been through a panic attack and they're like, yeah, I've had like 50 of those. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was like a thing. This is a normal thing for people. Um, I dealt with a lot of anxiety as a child, just random weird anxiety stuff. And uh, in the probably about three months ago, I was just in a meeting and just literally had a panic attack. And I didn't even know what it was. I called uh, Dr. Miles here because I was scared, like, something wrong with my thyroid? I need to get some blood work done? Like, what just happened? Because I thought something was physically wrong with me, which led to more panic, and more panic led to more panic, and all of this stuff. And it's given me so much empathy for people who've dealt with such a high level of anxiety and panic. I, people would tell me that before of, like, hey, uh, man, I had a panic attack last week, or I was had debilitating anxiety, and I'd be like, well, just think differently. I don't, I don't know what the problem is. Like, how insensitive does that sound? If someone told me that 
what I've gone through about three months ago, I'd have been like, you I'm going to punch you in the mouth, is what I would have said. I am in need of love and care. Don't tell me to think differently. Be there for me during all this. But, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. And I, I share that to say, one, if you're going through things like that, I'm with you. We're with you. We're all human. We're going through it. We're all in this walk together. But one of the things that God has been sharing with me is that what I have done, one reason what, what has caused anxiety in my life over this season, which has led to these panic attacks, is based on I have taken things, catch this here, I, I have taken things from books, podcasts, uh, different leadership teachings, good things, these are good things, and I have transposed them on my life, and I began to construct what I would call a good Christian life. I, I've taken things out here and put them on my life to think these need to be my core values. These need to be the way that I do things. And the gap between what God has called me to do and what I put on my life has caused panic. Does that make sense? He has not asked me to do these things that I'm pulling and putting into my life. He's asking me to be faithful with what he's just given me. And being people who are not, we're just faith, we're not uh, outcome oriented. We're just faithful. Does that make sense? You leave the outcome to him. We don't worry about the scale and the size and the influence of things. We just are faithful with what he's given us. There's so many, there's four different parables that tell us, you know, the, basically the story is, I'm paraphrasing, I get a thousand, someone gets two thousand, someone gets three thousand. And the goal is they each do, they ju you're just faithful with what you're given. I don't know why one started with one, one with two, one with three. I don't know that. But what I do know is just be faithful with what he's given you. And every parable that comes about where he says, good job, you were faithful with what I gave you. So I don't understand all that, but all I know is that we're just called to be faithful. And so, I mean, I love ideas. I love core values. I mean, I, these things are just a huge part of my life, obviously, but I have put them on me and honestly has bled out even into the people around me a little bit of my ideas, not his. God's breaking panic. You see that? That's what it is so funny yesterday at well that we had a sozo training and josh was like man let me look into like how do we spray some foam on the back of this so this noise goes away while i'm teaching i'm like dude i've been dealing with that two years man motorcycles ambulances the whole thing now that actually is a good idea that he needs to do that okay let me get back on uh on track here so i want to read to you hebrews uh hebrews 11 verse 1 through uh, I'm going to read through 1 through 16. This is a good amount of scripture. Scripture. This is God showing us, uh, I call this the Faith Hall of Fame, uh, just different people throughout scripture that have lived by faith. Okay, so verse 1. Now, faith is the confidence is what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when he spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. 
By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who had pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must truly believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You're getting the trend here. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that is in the keeping with faith. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That's really good verse. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs for him in the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with the foundations whose architect and builder is God. Oh, I'd want to sit on that verse for 12 hours. I actually had a sermon series that was Rise Up, Baton Rouge, the <laughs> the mural in the back, and I just felt like God just wrecked that whole thing. So we will eventually get to that sermon series, and I'm going to go back to that verse. I'm trying to live from presence and obedience here. Uh, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, as good as and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand in the seashore. Okay, verse 13. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. That, that is an incredible... What God is saying here is by faith, these people lived faithful. They lived faithful. They lived faithful. They lived faithful. And they got to this point. And people say so, people who say such things show that they were looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay. Verse 17 through 38, I'm not going to read for the sake of time, but he goes into 10 more people, okay? Now go to, let's go to verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would be made perfect. This is incredible to me. These mighty, mighty people, these heroes of the faith, never actually received what was promised to them. God's commending them for their faithfulness, not the output. Listen, this is this is so important in this day and age. None of them arrived. None of them hit a stage that we've made it. There was no making it. <clears throat> There's no start. There was no finish. What were they? They were just faithful. I mean, God has promises that he's given me, that he's given you, that I want to see. And I've realized in the season, I'm like, I'm not the one in charge of the time frame. I am just called to be faithful with what he's given me. It is not my responsibility to worry about the output, the scale, the size, the influence. I just remain faithful with what he's given me. Heaven is looking at these people saying they just remain faithful. They didn't even get what God promised them so that through the next generation they'll be able to get it. Isn't that amazing? Like, I want to be Moses because I want accomplishments. You know, we're like, man, I want to do all this stuff. And it's like, that's not what the book is celebrating. The book is celebrating his faithfulness, not what he did, 
but his attitude in the middle of the faithfulness. So, such, so it's so much of an easier life. Don't have to transpose things, accomplishments on top of my life. See, any anyone can burn for a season. Anyone can anyone can get saved and get on fire for God for twelve months. How many of you have seen that? And it withers away. Anyone can do that. But can we be people who burn for a lifetime? People who are faithful for an entire lifetime. I'm faithful with what he's given me today. I'm going to be faithful with what he's given me tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to something else. I'm literally just being faithful and diligent with what he's given me. My uh, well, my favorite teacher, the guy I just mentioned, Bill Johnson, he, he says this at his uh, school of ministry. He said, listen, he said, anyone could burn for a season. He says, but if you've burned for 50 years, call me. I want to take you to coffee. And that's true. Can, can we be people who just stay faithful in the middle of everything, not being outcome-oriented, not being worried about what it looks like, just being faithful and being diligent, living a life of surrender to that place? Isn't that good? You know, we don't have to construct the life that we think that God wants for us. That's not our responsibility. We, we input, he determines output, we're just faithful. Okay, four pitfalls that I have been dealing with that I hope will bless you. This is a sermon for myself, and I'm just letting you in on it. <clears throat> four pitfalls to avoid when trying to live a faithful life. Okay, the first one is comparison. Comparison is a killer. The best way to kill something that God is doing is to compare it. The moment that I look, the moment that I have, I'm, I'm right here, I'm doing what God has asked me to do, and I start looking to the left and the right about what God's doing on someone else's life, I can't be faithful with what he's put here. My, my, I'm double-minded. I'm double and we live in a social media age where this, this is the most prevalent in the history of the world. It sounds so dominant and large, but it's true. <clears throat> that it is more easy to compare now than it ever been has been. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with social media, um, but it's a really powerful tool. I love following other churches around the country to see what they do. Um, I, I just, I'm like, what is God doing there? Man, that's a really creative idea. That's really fun to get inspired, and I, I want to keep doing that. There's this point where it happens, I'm just using the church context, where there's a point where it happens where it turns into, instead of being inspired, I now start comparing and think, well, we don't have enough money for that. Well, I'm, I, I'm not as talented of a teacher as Stephen Furtick. I don't know if you've picked that up or not. <laughs> I, 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 this is, we know, we live in a city where maybe that's not allowed or the people don't want that. Oh, we, don't, we can't afford that type of $6,000 keyboard, so it's not going to sound that good. Like, wh whatever the thing is, our, our cell groups aren't going to work like that. It, it doesn't matter whatever the thing is. As soon as I just turn my eyes to something else and start comparing it, other than just being faithful with what God has put in front of us, I'm no longer being faithful. I'm, I'm looking to the left and the right. Does that make sense? What God's been teaching me about in this kind of broken season of faithfulness is, you know, even not comparing a prophetic word. Somebody makes, make, hopefully this makes sense. If, if you get a word where God says, hey, you're going to author a book, you may author a book and 16 people read it. And maybe that was the call. 
maybe you were faithful. He didn't say you're the next Dallas Willard. He just said, write the book. You could, he, you know, you could get a word which God says you're gonna, you're, the whole, you're gonna transform your city, and you may do that from being a teacher. You may not be the mayor. He didn't say you were gonna be the mayor. He said you were going to help transform a city. I, once again, this is my sermon to myself here, and I'm allowing you in on this. I had so many prophetic words when I was a young child by highly prophetic people, and one of them was, I see you standing before the people opening the word and teaching them. Okay, that's literally happening in this moment. What I took from that is I want stadiums of people. That wasn't the word. So if I'm shooting for the stadium, I'm not being faithful. If I'm shooting for the stadium, I'm not being myself and what God has called me to be. Is that, are you are you with me? It's so quick to uh, part of the dangers of teaching prophecy is, um, you know, you want to give everybody a word, bro. You're gonna transform the nation. It's like, oh God, it makes me nervous. You are, but if that person can't weigh out that word, they're really just gonna transform the people around them. Most likely, they're probably not gonna be the president or something like that and transform the nation. But they're gonna be diligent in what they've been called to. But even comparing prophetic words is this making sense to you? Of, of taking a word and just being faithful with it. If God says to you, you know, again, if you're going to be an author, be an author. Let him worry about the outcome of it. You don't want something that he doesn't want for your life anyway. If you make something big on your own, you've got to keep it going. If you make it something out of scale, you're going to have to keep it going. It's impossible. It's an exhaustive lifestyle, and we can't fall into that. So the first one is comparison. Best way to kill faithfulness is to start comparing yourself to someone else. Amen. The second one that I've been dealing with that I'm letting you in on is you can't serve God and money. All right. I think most of you know my heart here. I'm nervous to even talk about this because I am such a believer in uh, that obedience would produce blessing. And I am nauseous at the idea that Christians get that we can't have money um, Make sense? You have, here, here, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel, but I'm not talking about being rich or being poor doesn't dictate your obedience to God. Do what God's called you to do. So if God has called you to be someone who makes a ton of money, please go make a ton of money. We need the help, all the help we can get. Uh, the people around you need all the help they can get. So that's I'm not. We're not anemic to money as believers. And the other thing that I would say is my disclaimer here is I've gotten cute because the true word for that word money is actually mammon. Mammon is the uh, idol of money. It's the worship of money. It's finding your identity in possessions. Okay, well, because of that word mammon, that's still so easy to fall into of uh, not just calling it what it is. Let me just say what it is. I'm not saying go for money or not go for money. What I am saying is that you can't serve God and money. One of them will be an idol. And an idol is if, if God tells you something to be faithful with something and you have to check with something else first, that's an idol. So if you get a word from God and you've got to check your budget first before your obedience, then that's mammon. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to read this, this verse to you. Matthew 6, 24. It's actually what Amber was singing earlier. No one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So, therefore, do not worry. I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink. This is the most irresponsible verse in the Bible. Do not care what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. It is not life. Is not is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not r- sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of them be wor- can b- by worrying at a single hour to their life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do they not labor or spend? Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. We'll go to verse 32. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have, has enough worry by itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I, uh, this is a challenge for every human being. Is Are we serving God? Are we serving money? And it's a really complex subject because you need money to live in society. But what are we serving? And if we're going to be people who are just faithful with what he's given you, if God's given you $10 and you live off of this $10 and be faithful with the 10, if you jump off here and go, no, I need 30, you're not being faithful with what he's given you. Amen? I'm not saying don't steward. I'm not saying you can't have more. Where has God called you to be and be faithful with what he's called you to be faithful in? The Bible tells you that he yields his increase. Again, if you go outside of what God's called you to do to try to just go make more more money, you'll get off the call. You will get off of alignment of what you're supposed to do if you're just chasing money. I am saying this because I'm a professional at this. I'm the number I'm the number one in the room of gosh, it'd be a lot better if we made more money. Man, I tell you what, just six more hours a week, I could do this and make money, and it spirals. It leads to anxiety and panic attacks. God's called you to make $100,000 a year, make $100,000 a year. If he's called you to make four hundred and fifty. praise God, make four hundred and fifty. If he's called you to make 20000 that's awesome. Be faithful with what he's called you to be faithful with. We cannot serve God and money. So what I want to leave you with for this point is, if you have the check in your heart before when God speaks that you have to check first with your money, it's become an idol. Something in your life has to change so you can be obedient. Graham Cook, anyone know who Graham Cook is? Awesome guy. Okay, a little clap for Graham. Uh, he calls it living light. And he, he says that basically like if God, if God needs you to move to Zimbabwe tomorrow, you need to be in position to do that. Now, I'm not saying move to Zimbabwe tomorrow. You, you understand what I'm saying. It's just living light. It's holding things loosely to where you can be obedient to God. Okay. Third one that I've been dealing with, none of you in the room have dealt with what I'm about to say. I already know it, is regret. Here's the thing with regret. Regret robs the testimony. All of us have a testimony, and regret is saying, I don't like my testimony. Regret is saying the blood and his forgiveness doesn't cover it. How many of you struggle with regret? If you didn't raise your hand, you struggle with lying. <laughs> That's not on my list. There's not enough time. I, c- I can't have 45 pitfalls on a 25-minute sermon. Um, looking back keeps us from being faithful with what he's given us. 
and regret keeps us in the past. It, the, when, you ever heard someone's testimony that's like, man, that is like a life-altering testimony? Yeah, okay, and God can use those, that, those ashes into beauty, but if you're stuck in the past and regret, you can't use it. Regret robs the testimony of God. Okay, and the fourth one is this. Not losing track of living for the next generation. If we keep in mind at all time that we are on earth to live for our children and our children's children and to live for the next generation, the whole idea of arriving or status or we've made it to this certain place goes away. Because just like I just read in Hebrews, we're, they were building something, their promises weren't fulfilled so that the next generation could walk into it and fulfill it. Now here's my feeling on that. It just keeps going just keeps going and it just keeps going but if we get selfish and lose track of the next generation and people younger than us we we will stop being faithful see if the idea i struggle with this so much even our whole retirement model in america this is all built on this which actually jesus warned us against but the whole idea is i can get to something and stop get to something and stop that's not what this Hebrews 11 is based on. There is no stopping and there is no plateau and there is no place to sit and then retire. It's it's pushing, 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 not performance. I'm talking about being faithful and the next generation grabs it and we all just keep running with it. And it creates this momentum. And have you met someone who's like a fifth generation Christian leader? They, they deal with less stuff a lot of times than a person who's a first-generation Christian because their parents have paid for something and they take it further. The parents pay for something and they take it further. This is how generational wealth and the natural is built. It's long handed off to the next generation. This is what we're called to do. So I get uh, many strange conversations throughout the week as being a pastor, but one of them is having the kids run around completely crazy up here today is a light Sunday but and the reason why we do that is because I want them in the presence and if they're not experiencing God I think we're wasting time and in my life that's how I was raised and at a very young age knew God because I was in the presence and so there's no junior Holy Spirit I'm not just hiding the kids in the back we want them to experience God so that the next generation takes it further than the previous generation And if you can, <clears throat> and the the th the idea of arriving keeps us not focused on the next generation. A, ri a wise, righteous man leaves an inheritance for his kids' kids. That's not just money. It's establishing and sending it to the next generation. Okay, I'm gonna have the band come back up. So listen, as a church, I. Uh, I worked so hard. I'm just, I'm in the middle of my process here. I'm just talking. I worked so hard on creating our five core values and our 12 culture keys and our culture manual. Some of you may not even know what that is, which is fine. <laughs> and it was all in vain. No. I, uh, just the past three months, God's just like, yeah, it's about presence and faithfulness. Presence and faithfulness. Here's that. I want to construct revival. 
How exhausting, so funny, me even saying it out loud. How exhausting does that sound? I want to put the piece, okay, this worked in the 1950, this one worked this way, and Smith Wigglesworth did that one, and Bill did that, and Heidi did this thing, and we're like walking around like this trying to get revival. <laughs> the Lord may come if we do the, yeah, sorry, as a leader of a spirit-led church, I think about those things, because I want a fresh outpouring. But what if, oh gosh, this makes me so nervous to even say it loud. What, what, if, what if he just has it? Oh, I'm even scared to say this. It's just, that doesn't matter. Obedience matters. Gosh, it's, oh, feels weird even saying that. It just doesn't matter. Having revival 2.0, it just, it doesn't matter. It's about presence being led by his voice and just being faithful. listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.